Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the people's rapper, John Connor. Um, signed, he's signed to Aftermath. He's independent now. Um, you know, you've probably seen him on a lot of uh, albums of the game, uh, on the Compton soundtrack. V very talented dude. I gravitate towards him right away, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure for you to be here, man. How are you, John? Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, and I'm humbled by that. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. No, that's cool, man. What's it called? I I came across. I used to hear your name in the in the like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and I heard you, and I was like, this guy's pretty dope, whatever. And then what happened was, what I was like heavy into hip hop, but like in a in a limited sense. Like I had like like I was following it from like the dominant societies. Uh, you know, um, um, view of it kind of in a way, right? I wasn't as educated and I was kind of ignorant and all that kind of stuff. So I never knew, like, like I, I knew about the, uh, like the most transparent kind of racism, not like, like the, the, the very fucking subtle shit that goes on in the industry. So like I, so when rappers would be going through their shit, I would be like, oh my God, that guy's fucking up. What, what an idiot, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. But then like now you realize that there's more at play when I think there's more people, you know, in the industry that do some fucked up shit, like, in the, at the top level, so I just kind of stayed away from that when I, when I found out, I was going through my own experience, and one of the rappers that I came across when I was going through that, because I wasn't trying to listen to anyone, I was in, the, in this whole conspiracy thing, I came across yours, because you were one of the more socially conscious rappers that I heard, and I, I, and I noticed you use CM Punk's voice in your best of the world mixtapes, and I gravitated right away from all the stuff that you're doing, man. Man, thank you, man. Absolutely. I'm a big wrestling fan, man. Came up, me and my dad, like, uh, since I was a kid. Like, that was, like, the first thing we bonded over was professional wrestling, man. So, yeah, it still it stuck with me to this day. And it's a lot of parallels between professional wrestling and hip-hop. I mean, people become these larger-than-life characters in order to, you know, get you to buy into their gimmick or to their persona or whatever so that you listen to the music. The only difference is, for them, their art is carried out in a ring and my art is carried out on the microphone, but it's pretty much all the same thing. Um, they say the best characters in wrestling are those that um, turn up their real personality times ten. You know, and I think that that's the same with hip hop. If you could turn up, if you could turn up your personality times ten and really figure out those strong qualities about who you are that'll get people to connect with you, it's the same thing with like pro wrestling. People will buy into it and they'll buy whatever. You do man and they'll support you to the end no no most definitely and um i'm actually glad now because when i when i was a kid man a lot of like the black wrestlers were the most over kind of guys but they're never mm -hmm. really as pushed and now like just seeing a whole Wait, they can't hear you they can't can they not hear you or can they not hear me um well, well, well. Here's the thing. Even if they can't hear you, I'm recording this on another device, so this is gonna be audio anyway, somewhere else. So even if these guys can't kind of hear me, what's it called? I I was trying to just. See, the reason why I didn't want to uh, do it, like, on a public setting like this, because I came from the Stern Show, right? And I got, like, booted off there. And a lot of my trolls are still kind of, like, industry trolls trying to kind of harass me. So I didn't want them to ruin the interview or whatever. That's why I was trying to do this in private. But, but, but like, you know what I mean? So that's why I limited the comments and all that kind of stuff, whatever. So that that's why I wanted to do this in private. But so, no, but, but uh, I, I can figure that out in post. It's going to be audio mostly, though. 
Okay, cool. Well, as long as you can hear me, we good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, so yeah, so my, so my, you mentioned that like hip hop and and uh, and wrestling are the same, and I, I, I really do agree. I think a lot of like I think wrestling has been influential, whether people want to admit it or not, to like a lot of art forms and how like even in the politics world, like look at the world we're living in, bro. It's a it's a parody of of what it is. Like every, it feels like we're in a reality show and all that kind of stuff. So when we talk about hip hop and wrestling, do you even mean like the politics behind getting your ideas out as well because i listened to like your new single from who uh, for, for whom it may concern where you're kind of giving a reintroduction to yourself because you've been because in the beginning that that quote that goes you got to go away to come back or something like that and that and that really resonated and that's why i think i resonated with you because even though i can't pro i, I, I can't um uh, had the same experience as you because because you're a black man and you grew up in Detroit, Detroit uh, Michigan and all that whatever I, you know I, mean, I I can't like obviously relate to everything that you go through but someone who's been through like industry bullshit on my own I can kind of relate to what you're saying about some of the ind- the people who are snakes who come into your life without even knowing it do you think like the industry kind of plays a role in creating more chaos in rappers lives like that well, absolutely. You know, if only the world could be, you know, just based off what it was supposed to be based off of, which is treating people how you want to be treated. Um, if you put the work in, you get, you know, out of it what you put into it. Um, I wish the world was that simple, but unfortunately it's not. You know what I mean? So I definitely think that I think all artists, first of all, I think all people need to go to therapy because we all go through so many traumatic experiences just growing up in our regular lives before we even get to be adults and get into whatever industry that we're going to go into. But I think that um, I think that the workplace, no matter what it is, and especially show business causes you know, you got to be a strong person to go through the politics and the BS of show business. And I definitely think that it um, contributes to more chaos because the rules of regular everyday life don't apply in show business. You could be a super, super good person and treat everybody right and do your job every day. And things will happen to you like you don't get paid what you were supposed to get paid. People try to erase the work that you did. Um, you could, um, if somebody that has more power or more stroke than you in a certain situation causes a problem, you could be the one that end up losing everything, even though you don't do anything wrong. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about me or you in particular. I mean, these are stories that happen all the time in show business. Like, you know, you hear about those, the females who, with the Me Too thing and all of them, and then you hear how they, they were scared to come out and talk about certain executives that may have sexually harassed them. Well, because in show business, the person with the most stroke is the one who's going to uh, have the most people on their side. They're going to have the louder voice. They're going to have the louder platform. So I think that um, maybe all all businesses are like that, maybe. You know, but I think in show be- in show business is more prevalent. You know, just because that's the, in the that's the industry that I'm in, and I've seen it happen more often. But I definitely think after being in show business, all artists, entertainers, executives, all that need to go to therapy because, <laughs> the, because the rules of show business are definitely not the rules of. The way the way we are supposed to be living here on this earth. No, dude, dude definitely, I I agree with you, and that's why I heard in your music and all that kind of stuff. Did you like? Did you did, like? Was your like? I, you don't gotta go into detail. Cause I, I, I don't want to get lawyers after you and that. But was your like? Uh-huh. Bra- 
But was your like was your like split from aftermath a very like amicable one, or or was there like really like issues that you could? Cause, like I mean like you've like hung out with Eminem and Dre and all that, and like I I just to go well this guy's a really ta- like see if this were back then and you got dropped by aftermath, my ignorance would be like oh I guess he wasn't good enough. But like now when someone gets dropped, I always go and because you lay low right. See if you're one of these rappers that were like out and causing trouble and you're always in controversy, I know that would get your name out there. But the fact that you are always kind of on the low a little bit and you kind of pop up here and there, like, even though people might not see you as the biggest mainstream artist, I take that as you're actually living, you're trying to keep a more sane life because, again, you, because, again, they'll put you in positions to, like, look like it, like, look at Jim Jones and, uh, Jim Jones and, uh, Freddie Gibbs, like, I don't know if that's orchestrated by executives or something like that, you know what I mean? So, like, so, like, so the fact that you're never in that much of chaos, like, I looked up your name just to see if there's anything recent that you that you like maybe in the news for there's nothing about you that's controversial like in that regard so i applaud you for not playing that game and becoming a sports entertainment character well thank you and i never will you know and i think that that's the thing you know i never will and and i'm totally confident and i'm totally cool with the path that i've chosen you know, I'm not a clown. Um, I had a father, a grandfather. I had so many people in my life that taught me right from wrong. And I think that when people get money and they try to stay in the spotlight, they'll do anything to uh, maintain whatever type of talk. Or people say that word, relevancy, and it's so weird to me. Relevant to what and to who? I don't want to be relevant for doing some dumb shit. I don't want to be relevant because I got in a fight with somebody or because I did something foolish i I don't you know i I feel like being an entertainer man kids look up to you i feel like um adults listen to the music uh when they want to zone out or when they need somebody to uh give them a counter perspective and i take that role i take that role seriously you know i'm not gonna sell my soul or uh become a clown or become a, a character of myself just to stay in certain conversations my thing is now i'll find the people that like what i do i'll find the people who relate to me and that's who i'm going to contribute to that's who i'm going to keep catering to you know a wise person once told me cater to your fans and not your critics so for me it's like you know no nah, that's not the route for me and i appreciate that compliment man you know i don't i have no want or need to be in no type of drama no type of dumb shit i grew up in flint michigan so for me music was a way out of the bs music was a way out of drama a way out of dealing with dumb stuff so for me i didn't start making music so that i can amplify uh the drama it's like growing up in flint you see that every day you see people dying you deal with uh scandalous males scandalous females you deal with scandalous people you know i had to do a lot just to get to a certain point to be able to get up out of that so is i'm never gonna be that person and for me, I'm not playing that game. And, and you know, that's the game that is played nine times out of ten, and it ain't for me. So I'm going to find the fans of me, who I am, and that rock with the music that I make, and I'm going to keep on catering to them. No, dude, dude. I, I, I and, and again, man. I, I applaud that. I think that takes bravery. I, I think you know, because again, like I used to buy in, because I used to buy into it. And I think because I went through it, it made me experience it and actually respect what. Because again, when people, people like when like a couple, a couple of years ago, Meek Mill said, "Hey, a rapper's job is just as as difficult as the military." People scoffed at that because you're like, "How dare you compare being a rapper to being in the military?" But it's like when there's people at at play 
putting your life in danger, that is like the fucking military. Like, I don't, I don't care what, like, again, like, I'm not putting down anyone that goes and serves in war and all that, whatever, right? I don't agree with all these fucking wars to begin with, but I'm not, like, disrespecting soldiers that go and put their life on the line. It just, people don't realize how, how fucked up, like, they make it for the, the rappers themselves. And just to ask you this, even though, like, you've, uh, like, you know, been associated with, like, you've, you've been with the upper echelon of, of, of rappers that you've hung out, like, hung out with kind of in a way do you find like and you don't gotta name names do you find that some of them know that the bullshit exists and they kind of just under the table give you advice even though they gotta be the villainous people as well like i look at dr dre and he ha- like like right now it feels like every like when you're supposed to be at the end of your rope you become a bad guy basically like all your dirt finally comes out so everyone starts hating you and or like you know so everyone will go oh i hate dr dre now whatever do you find that like they there's like do duality live between some of these guys that are like stuck in that place as well that can't really get out or do you think like everything about it's all evil in general well man you know i don't know um i'm a very spiritual person and you know i can't speak for other people i can't speak for their journey or their route but for me one plus one equals two in that I just try to make people, I just try to make music that makes people make the right decisions. If I talk about females, I'm going to talk about it in a way that's going to make you think about it. I'm going to make the female think. I'm not going to judge her. I'm not going to do anything like that, but I'm going to make her think twice about the decisions she's making. If I talk about the drug dealing that I saw, I'm going to talk about it from a perspective where I'm not glorifying it. And I'm going to make the dudes that feel like they have to sell drugs think about what they're doing and so for me it's like i don't know about anyone else but for me my path is clear cut and simple there's no middle ground either i'm convincing or coaching people into doing wrong or i'm giving people a perspective and trying to talk them into doing something that's good so for me I know it's as simple as that. It's either I'm making you do something good or I'm making you do something bad. And I'd like to make music that make people do do positive things, make people, um, you know what I'm saying, do things that make them question, second guess or question the negative decisions that they make in life. So I don't know about other cats. I don't know the decisions that they make and or spiritually where they at. I just know spiritually with me, I just want to make music that make people um, do positive things, man. I've made that decision. So for me, it's... If I have to be an independent artist in order to push the agenda of positivity and love, then that's what I do. No, dude, that, 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 no, that's awesome. And listen, I, that's why I was trying to say to you, if you, if you wanted to, like, kind of go further than that, I didn't want you, like, to specifically name names to get anyone in trouble. So I'm not trying to do a DJ Vlad shit here going, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to, like, go, hey, so tell me about uh, all these secret sex cults and all, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, you know what I mean? I kind of understand that, because, again, like, even you speaking out, there's people probably listening that going, oh, he's speaking to a rapper about this? So, like, I already know that, like, people are already watching you, and I know it's, it's not, like, an easy game to play. So I, I try to take these things as seriously. I'm not, like, as in... Because, again, uh, a lot... But when I took a break from hip-hop and then all this stuff started coming out, I find myself... I listen to albums that stream and all that kind of stuff, and then I can't go back because there's so much coming out. And then I think it's made me even forget about certain things. So, like, I can't even remember specific albums that you may have done. Like, I remember you did the Blue Album, which was, like, a Jay-Z instrumental. I know you did uh, a tribute to Eminem Beats as well. And I just listened to Delirium the other day. Phenomenal fucking mixtape. I love the beats you chose on that. Um, And, again, I, I... 
I, I really, I really, I really enjoy it. And I like that you incorporate the best in the world thing now again in your thing with the cold. So, uh, it, was that inspired because CM Punk is back into the fold now, or with the like, did, did that inspire you, or what? Well, yeah, it definitely did. But for me, it's a call back to all of the people that was rocking with me from the beginning, like all of the loyal supporters I've had since the beginning of my career. Like people got to know my career didn't start on aftermath. I started rapping when I was 11 years old, you know, and then there was a whole underground career, you know, from 2005 to 2013. And there were people that built up, you know, an allegiance with me and supported what I was doing and, you know, were fans of what I was doing. So it's like when I got signed and I was on a major label, I wasn't, I couldn't put out music. So to those fans that were already fans of mine, I just disappeared. So for me, by calling the last tape that I just did, Best in the World Delirium, that was pretty much for those fans that have been sticking with me from the beginning. Like, yo, I'm still me. I'm still the dude that y'all came up listening to. I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't went nowhere, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, and we're going to finish where we started. And uh, speaking of which, you said you're a wrestling fan, too. Like, CM Punk coming back at AEW was one of the most inspiring things i ever seen because I look at his journey similar to mine. Like, I feel like he had made it to a point in his career while he was at WWE where, okay, he was known and he, he was super successful and all of that type of stuff, but he wasn't happy on the inside. He wasn't able to do everything that he wanted to do. So rather than sell his soul as a figure of speech, he, he would have rather walked away. And I think that that was the same thing with me. Like, much love to Aftermath, Interscope, and I had great times. I learned a lot, you know what I'm saying? Good times, bad times, all of that. Learned a lot, and it was a cool point in my life. But I always thought I wanted to be signed to a major label, and then when I was, there were so many restrictions on what I could and couldn't do. And I kind of got to a CM Punk point where it's like, you know what? I'd rather walk away from this and start all over rather than sit here and be on the shelf and you know, not be able to be my full self. So, you know, much love. And I, like I say, I learned a lot over there, but being on a major label just wasn't for me. And I'd rather go back to being the best in the world, being independent, being that Connor that those diehard fans came up knowing rather than sit on the shelf and wait uh, for somebody to give me something. I would rather go and do it on my own and earn it and have people take that journey with me. And it separates the people that was only fucking with me because I was with Dr. Dre and the people who fuck with me because they actually like my music. So I would rather have 10,000 loyal fans that like me for me as opposed to a million fans that are just bandwagon riders and are willing to turn their back on you if I'm not affiliated with somebody else. No, dude, I, you know, I, dude, I, I completely agree, man. And I'm actually really, like, like, I was actually surprised. Like, I, I, listen, I don't like bothering people to come on my podcast. I'll throw a message out if someone replies. And I figure, listen, you're like, even you're, in, you're independent with the call. You know what I mean? I, I thought like maybe like, like because I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of a controversial guy in the sense that like. I speculate about stuff because I've been through some certain things. So when you reached out to go, hey, I, I want to do an interview, I was like really touched by that, man. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I know you're not the, the, oh, the, the you're, you're not Drake or whatever and all that, whatever. But like to me, like you are like a, 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 one of my favorite rappers uh, that, that, that I've tried to follow along. And whenever you pop up, I'm like, oh my God, man, this is refreshing, whatever, because this guy can really, really fucking go. And, and I loved your songs on the Compton soundtrack, man. I 
thought like you and Snoop really that one. That's like my gym song that I would go to, man. Like I I walk into the gym to that song whenever when the John Connor verse starts, man. And I gotta say, yo, the last album you did. The song that I play the most, I, I played whenever I get some free time to play, is the procedure. I really love that song, man. On the on the. Thank you, man. The procedure meant a lot to me because I don't know for the people that's tuning in, like I don't know if they know, but my city, Flint, Michigan, uh, back in 2014, they were calling it the Flint Water Crisis, where uh, our water was poisoned by lead because uh, government officials have made the uh, decision to switch our water from Detroit water to. Um, I don't know what the water source was, but wherever it was, it was contaminated with lead. And that's something that we're still dealing with to this day, where we have to take bottled water showers and, you know what I'm saying, all that type of stuff. And, you know, I mean, that song means a lot to me because I feel like as an artist, if you have a, vo- a voice, you might you got to speak about something that's going to make a difference. And you got to be the voice of the voice, voiceless. Another CM Punk reference. but. <laughs> You got to be the voice of the voiceless, man. If you're going to have a platform to be able to speak, you got to speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves, you know, at least to where, you know, they can't speak up loud enough for people to hear it. And I feel like a lot of times in Flint, that's the case, that our voice gets lost because we're such a small city. So thank you for appreciating that song, The Procedure, because it came from my heart, man. That's cool, man. No, no, dude. Like, like the part, the part where you go, uh, I miss the days when we used to get just get red rights. Like that really, you know, that like that really fucking just hits hard because like even that being red rights is hard enough, right? Like, so like I, I, I really, I really, really, lo- I really love that song. I, I like like uh, the like you know someone like doing some emotional type of uh, shit. Well, I, out of all the you know, you, you, the one thing that I do appreciate you about you too, bro, is that like I know that you're really subconscious about how you're music is going to affect people and i don't think enough artists really like take like again because whenever you make mention that music can in art, entertainment in general like hip-hop always gets thrown under the bus first whenever that gets mentioned right i noticed that like they'll always blame hip-hop first even though you can apply it to like everything that's in entertainment and politics and all that like i like like do, do you find that like a lot of artists don't want to admit that like like they love like the po- the positive affirmation, but then like realizing that they could be affecting people negative. Do you find that people in the industry don't kind of like like do they like like re- like re- reflect upon that, or do you think that like like they just don't care that they're doing what they're doing? Well, a couple things, and if I get lost in the question, please remind. No, me. no, that's cool. It's cool, man. I I threw a lot out at you, so I'm sorry about that. No, it's all good. The thing is, man, first of all, it's one plus one equals two. Music definitely affects human behavior. If, but, like, back in the day when I was in high school, if I was about to get into a fight, it's, a, it's songs that I would listen to to get turned up and get amped up to go get into a fight. If somebody died in my life, you're going to go listen to a song and it's going to make you cry or think about memories with that person. If you go through a breakup, you're going to fucking go listen to certain songs. When you get married, there's certain songs you play. So for people to say that music doesn't influ- influence human emotion and human behavior, they're crazy. So <laughs> you're crazy. You're in denial. You, it does. Like, even think about it, man. If I... If, me and you sitting here talking right now. If I played Stone Cold, if you heard the glass breaking Stone Cold, <laughs> you would react to it. So that's a human reaction. And I think as as musicians, we got to be responsible about that. It's like I always look at it like, what am I talking somebody into doing? 
If somebody was in a car about to go kill somebody and they put on John Connor's music, is John Connor talking them into killing somebody or talking them out of killing somebody? If, if you know, like, that's the way I look at music. It's like I'm the conversation that somebody's going to hear before they make um, a, a, a drastic decision in their life. And I take that serious. And I think people that don't look at it like that, you got to look at it like this. And especially in hip-hop, we coming from poverty. We coming from having nothing. So we're not really looking at the effect that our music has on other people. We're just looking at the fact that now we can buy our mother a home. Now we're looking at it like we can buy a new car or we can get our little sister what she wants for her birthday or for Christmas or whatever. So we're looking at the... We're looking at the short-term effects of our music when we first jump in the game. And I think that record executives and I think people older and wiser already know that. And I think sometimes in the music business that gets used against the artists. You know what I mean? I think that, um, you know, I think young black artists coming from out of the hood, you know, they get manipulated into making music that's going to keep the rich rich and broke people broke. You know, if I'm a young black male and I'm telling you, go kill somebody, shoot somebody, uh, females ain't shit, but, but a big ass and some titties, blah, 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 and my community keeps listening to that over and over and over, that's all they're going to ever think they could be is drug dealers and killers, and the females going to think all they good for is, is tits and ass, you know what I mean? And if we keep making that type of music, I shudder to think what the future is going to be like in 20, 30 years, because it's getting worse and worse. So I think it's people it's people that know what it is. But also, I'm not going to just say the whole music industry because there are some good executives out there. There are some people that snuck through the cracks in the music business that try to sign artists that um, have a different perspective. Because, let's, you know, I don't want to not acknowledge the rhapsodies and I don't want to not acknowledge, you know, the people that are in the game that spit that food for thought. So it's like that. I think it's just like with anything, though. I think there are... There are good executives that wanna that care about the community and care about the message that's being spread, but then I've also seen shitty fucking executives that don't care at all and all they care about is getting their pockets laced and they don't care about the next ten generations that you're destroying when you pump this music that keeps saying kill, 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 uh, shake your ass, all that type of shit. They're not thinking. I think that hip hop needs balance, and I'm not even sure what the original question was, but I'm just glad I got that off. No, no, dude, no, no. Honestly, it's it, it with my, aligned with my question. But I wouldn't just put. See, the thing is, like, I, I, I like, I like that you're like, you're, like, kind of bring up to hip hop and your community, or whatever. But I, I think sometimes people weapon. I think sometimes people. Like, I, I listen. I have no problem with wokeness, but the but you 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 notice that there's a like a, like a, like brother Ali, brother Ali the rapper. Uh, he said there's like a neo wokeness, like neo neo liberal neo liberalism. Like like there's a limited amount of of wokeness. So whenever like they whenever like the the neo liberals talk about or like the blue check marks talk about like. Uh, um, you know, the danger of entertainment and hip-hop, and they blame, like, all straight black men and all that kind of stuff, whatever, right? I feel like it's done within limitations where it causes more infighting that go... Because from what I see on social media about how these arguments are always boosted up, it's always some infighting going on, not even between races, but, like, political ideologies, fandom, and all that kind of stuff. Do, do you think that because, like, there's a limited way that the, the mainstream explains, like, you know, oh, 
hip hop um, music might be causing something. Like they always do it from a religious standpoint, kind of in a way. So then people who do who want to be cool don't want to be associated with like the religious part of it, whatever, right? So then they uh, look look down upon it. Do you notice that like when it's happening with this conversation that we're having, like you explain it properly of what you're do what you're doing, but this message that you're saying would never be on a mainstream platform to basically like um put the layers in place if that makes sense yeah yeah but throw me throw it throw it to me as a question so give me the question okay no no so my question is do you find that the limited narratives of like what goes on in mainstream about these conversations that we're having or whatever right like for example if this conversation was happening in a mainstream setting it would be a politician who's just going to solely blame the rappers solely and make it seem like the rappers themselves are the devils and all that but they will never explain that it's executives that are doing that so then it the conversation just becomes oh rappers bad either you agree or you don't agree like so that's my question do you find that that kind of fucks up the art the fucks up the conversation or like like what, what can we do to kind of further the conversation on a mainstream setting well yeah i definitely think executives need to have majority of the responsibility because they're the ones that signing these artists think about it um if I if I took a child that was six or seven years old and asked them if they wanted to eat candy all day, they're gonna say yes because they don't know better. That's the equivalent to uh, rappers that get signed out of the hood. If you if an executive is telling you I'm gonna give you an advance for seventy thousand and they they parents ain't never seen seventy thousand in their life, which really in the grand scheme of things seventy thousand ain't nothing. But it's like they're gonna take it and they're gonna do whatever. So it's like honestly, you have underdeveloped spiritually underdeveloped and mentally underdeveloped kids coming up out of the hood who haven't lived enough life yet to understand the consequences of the messages that they're putting in their music but there are people that are way older than them that are definitely aware of what the uh consequences of this music is so i think yeah like instead of rappers at the system you know what I'm saying? That's um, glorifying these rappers for staying in a, a mentally immature state of being. It's like you're paying rappers. You're paying rappers to stay immature so they can keep spreading an immature message to a community that looks to them as what success is. Now, that's what the crazy mind fuck about it is. If you got kids in the ghetto looking at rappers who ha also have not mentally developed properly, but they're they are now the um, they are now the um, what am I looking for? The example of what success is. But they are still spitting immature shit. It's like this uh, vicious circle that keeps going around and around. Nobody in the hood wants to do better or wants to stop doing uh, self-destructive shit because they feel like if they rap about it, they'll be glorified and celebrated for it. And then the dudes that are rapping that way never got told that these type of things are wrong because every time they talk about killing somebody, they get another 60000 70000 or whatever. So I just think that these conversations probably will never be had on the mainstream unfortunately because there's so many people that benefit and that are making money off of this whole cycle off of the way that this system is so what it's gonna take man i guess whether i see it in my lifetime or not it don't matter but whether it takes people like myself or the, the other artists out there that speak the truth or speak their truth or speak about spiritual awareness, man. It's like it's gonna take us to just keep doing it, and maybe generations down the line, some kid will bump into some John Connor music, and, and they'll start <laughs> a whole. 
Yeah, dude, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I love what you're fucking saying, man. It's a, you know, this is a good conversation, dude. I want to call because, like, you know, because again, like sometimes, like when you have these conversations, people are, are, are like, you know, people whether it's social media or doing other streaming stuff, people have such a limited narrative because of what the system kind of gives them that people because people don't see what goes on. People don't like I don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes, but I have more empathy, more more so than ever. Like I used to be one of those guys that would go. Oh my God! This guy is looking like a fool on 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 television and wilding out for no reason and all that. And then I I, I don't realize that that you know that these these guys are being pushed into a life and being pushed into that kind of way of thinking. And we we don't realize it because like if you become like if you become socially conscious to a level, whatever, then people just go, oh, that's just boring, we're, we're used to more, like, ig- ignorant stuff going on, like, you know, more, like, super political incorrect stuff, it just, in, not just in the, in, in the music industry, but just, like, in entertainment in general, like, with all these, fa- like, just look at how, like, re- like, if you go on Twitter, and I, I, I like that you kind of are not really on Twitter as, like, as many other people are, but, like, if you notice some of the like the, the 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 back and forth between the wrestling fans, even it's gotten like so fucking bad because a lot of like the Stan and Shill accounts are like now kind of like like associated with like these artists or wrestlers and all that. So now they think that they are the be all end all like on a moral front by basically dictating what goes online. Do you notice that with like a lot of the art form? Like is that why you kind of like stay low on social media? Well, the thing is, yeah, I'm not really a big social media dude, you know. Uh, Good for I'm you, man. Really a, yeah, man, I stay away from it. It's poison. At one point in time, man, like I was, I was checking my eyes before I said my prayers, and <laughs> that's what I knew I needed to fall back a little bit. But I'm not really a big social media person, so I haven't really been able to. I, I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't be a good person to ask that question. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. So, yo, let's let's. Uh, we, we talk about, I wanted to. I didn't want to just go to the wrestling. I wanted to just talk about your experiences and like your thoughts about stuff. So we can transition into wrestling. Like, what well, what was like the first like storyline you remember as a kid when you were watching wrestling, and what, what and what age did you start watching wrestling? Well, man, and and two before we get deep into wrestling, I guess the last thing I'll say about just show business and entertainment. Um, I'm not totally shitting on major labels and i'm not totally like like i my thing is this is what i want to tell any young artist that's listening to this if you could be on a major label and not have to sell your soul and do things that you don't want to do go for it you know what i'm saying if, but if independent is the way for you there's nothing wrong with that either keep your soul intact there's nothing um worth your soul there's nothing worth your freedom there's nothing worth being able to say what you want to say do what you want to do and speak how you want to speak so if you can do that on a major go for it if independent is your way go for it it's um everybody's life is different and everybody's path is different so just because things like i say my path is mine my testimony you know i've went through what i had to go through for my experiences to inspire or for people to learn from or to take it a step further and maybe learn from my journey but just because my journey isn't your journey so somebody out there listening right now might get on a major label and be the one that cracks through and breaks through and just really like makes major labels rethink the way that they market and campaign artists and the messages that we put out. But maybe independent might be for you. So I'm just saying, you know, all independent labels, 
like all major labels ain't bad, all major labels ain't good. It's just like with anything else, your journey is for you. But keep your soul intact no matter what you do is my main message, man. But, dude, okay. dude, well, before you answer that question, I want to say that, yeah, dude, I, I like that you put that positive message out there, man. I know, like, people sometimes roll their eyes at positive messages because, you know, because, again, because we're taught that positive is, like, so cornballish and all that kind of stuff. So I always appreciate that you're unapologetic and, like, you do it in a way where it, like, it, 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 it seems more realistic to what the industry is more than just, like, some vague positivity that doesn't come across as genuine. Like, I, like, when you say these words, I can tell, like, you're not really bullshitting me. You're actually, you mean this stuff. So, anyways, carry on with your uh, wrestling upbringing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, like I said, my dad, like, uh, man, me and my dad watching wrestling, uh, man, that's my earliest memory. So, the first storyline I really can remember that, like, vividly is um, the Intercontinental Champ- Championship Tournament after WrestleMania six when Warrior had to give up the Intercontinental belt and Mr. Perfect beat, I want to say he beat Tito Santana to win the Intercontinental Championship for the first time. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yo, you know, that, that's, yo, that's, the funny thing is, I, I'm, I'm uh, born in 83. I stopped watching wrestling for a couple of months after Ultimate Warrior won. So, I know he beat Tito Santana, but I never saw, like, like that, like, after WrestleMania six. I never, I never went back in until like summer of ninety, basically. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Mr. Perfect. I my my first memory was um I was three years old. I remember my memory, and it was uh what the the angle where Hulk Hogan went to save Macho Man from the Honky Tonk Man and Heart Foundation, and then it, and that smoke was popping out of Macho Man's head from the guitar shot and shit, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so. Were you, so let me ask you this, were you like more um, into the characters or did you start noticing that you're like a work rate guy? Like, did you notice like, like at a young age, did you like, like know, like, like, could you, like, not even, even if you couldn't articulate it, could you tell who were the good wrestlers and who were just fucking characters? Um, I would have to say, I... In some part of my brain, understood what a good match was, um, because I think I gravitated to dudes that had good matches. Like I was always a big Heart Foundation fan. I always loved the Rockers. I always loved uh, Texas Tornado. Mr. Always loved. uh, It was like I liked the guys who were having good matches. Like of course, I'm an '80s baby, so I was a Hulkamaniac. But, um, and so Hulk's matches just were what they were to me. But I enjoyed, like, Heart Foundation demolition matches. I enjoyed, like, the storytelling aspect of it. So I enjoyed a good character as well as I enjoyed the storytelling. But I think around the time of, like, um, 95, 96, WCW is when I started really paying attention to, like, what a good match was. You know, like, it was cool. Like, Back when I first started watching, like, it just kind of came with it. It's like, okay, I like Bret Hart, so I like his matches. I like Mr. Perfect, so I like his matches. It wasn't that I was really actually just, like, breaking it down as to what made it a good match. I just like Bret Hart. You know, I just like Shawn Michaels. But when it got to be, like, 95, 96, and you started getting Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Psychosis, uh, Silver King. Um, yeah, Silver you know, King. <laughs> When you start getting all of them cats, man, 
that start, and then you got a chance to compare because I don't know if you remember, bro. Ninety five, ninety six, WWE was fucking brutal, bro. So <laughs> it was, but you, you, but you know what? Cause I was watching WCW in the early nineties as well, a little bit, like even before ninety five, ninety six. So when, um, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, no, that's cool, that's cool. So, so I I started noticing that, like, Ron Simmons, Steve Austin, Vader were coming to WWE. So even though it was still ass because Bret Hart had left during that time as well when Shawn Michaels was champion, and, and WWE was, like, popular, was being very popular, I didn't, I thought there would be potential because I love Steve Austin in WCW. I loved Vader in WCW. I like Brian Pillman in WCW and Ron Simmons, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like those guys so i thought like eventually there would be an upswing but like is that your favorite era of wrestling the attitude era or what or is it the early 90s uh or maybe even the modern era even my favorite era probably would be um from 88 to 92 and then the attitude era are probably my two equally two of my favorite eras of pro wrestling. Okay, so yeah, but see, the going back in the Attitude Era, even though it was like a very exciting time, one of the things that I find frustrating about the Attitude Era that's normalized, that's kind of ruined WWE's programming to this day, is that the overexposure. Because like back in the eighties and like even the nineties, right? Burhart was seen off was seen often. He wrestled on television enough for you to go, okay, he's gonna wrestle on television, whatever, more than Hogan. But he wasn't there all the time. I find. I find that because of the Attitude Era, now WWE feels they are compelled to constantly do talking segments and then segments through the night where you don't even care about the segments. Like, Big E's champion, and I've been waiting for this day for Big E to be a champion. You know, three months in, it doesn't feel like anything special anymore because they're overdoing all the matches. And I think, the, even though I love the Attitude Era, I think giving away way too much in the Attitude Era kind of ruined, like, the next... 10 years of what WWE programming has been. Do, do you agree right. with that? I definitely agree. I, the Attitude Era made championships mean less. Like, I remember one time, bro, I couldn't, I, bro, the Intercontinental Championship changed hands so many times. <laughs> I lost count, bro. It was like, I don't even remember who the Intercontinental Champion was. I didn't. It was like, it was, uh, boy, the only belt that mattered was the World Championship during the Attitude Era. And I came up, like I said, I loved from 88 to 92, in which that Intercontinental Championship belt meant damn near as much as the World Belt. It was times that I looked forward more to the Intercontinental Championship match than I did the World Championship match. I remember WrestleMania 8, I definitely was looking forward to Roddy Piper versus Bret Hart. Yeah. At that time, then I was because I was a kid, you know, and so I, I was looking forward to that more than I was looking forward to Macho Man and Ric Flair. Much respect to them, but it's like I was looking forward to that. I remember when Intercontinental matches were Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, or even Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, or The Rock versus Triple H, which was that was the last and great IC feud to me was The Rock and uh, Triple H. But, yeah, man, like, the, the, I definitely agree that the Attitude Era really, uh, really fucked over the value of championship belts, man. 
And yeah, you know, it, 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 it's not even that. It's like the the, 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 it's like the overlaying like formula as well. That's why I gravitate to AEW right now. But let me ask you a question. What's it called? You've been in the music industry and you're a wrestling fan. Has there been, were you so, when, when you go, if you go to these shows, have you ever, what was the biggest surprise to you of someone in the wrestling industry that fucked with your music? Has there ever been, like, who, who, who surprised you the most? And has that, has that been the case that people, People know people in the wrestling industry know who you are, and they give you respect. And like you know, it's not like a a big mainstream thing, though. Do, do you have any stories about that? Uh, yeah, I do, man. Um, for one, shout out to my dog, my brother Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yes. <laughs> shout out to Swerve. Shout out to Montezzi Swerve City Podcast. That's my family. Uh, but far as wrestlers surprising me that knew about my music, I remember it might have been on Xavier Woods' Up, Up, Down, Down. And uh, so I think maybe Seth Rollins or somebody said something about John Connor. They, <laughs> they were referencing the Terminator. And I remember Xavier Woods was like, John Connor the rapper? And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I was like, yo, Xavier Woods, fuck with me. That's what's up. Because this is before... Dre, this is before the Compton album. This is before all of that. And like I said, dog, I mark out more for pro wrestlers than I ever did anybody uh, in music. You know, I got people that I'm a fan of in music, but far as like for in show business, the people that I truly mark out for for are professional wrestlers, man. So there was that with Xavier Woods, um, man. Uh, even when I met Big E, shouts to Big E. Who is a like I consider him a friend of mine, a truly beautiful person. Um, we've had so many great conversations, but when I first met him, uh, my my brother Anthony the Dog Darrell, professional boxer, he had a fight, and um, and Big E was actually doing something at the fight as well. And I walked up to him and introduced myself, and he definitely knew who I was. He was like, "Yo, you know what I'm saying? You nice, you cold with it." So it was just really cool, man. So I would say Big E, Xavier Woods. Um, I remember I put uh, Matt Hardy's name in a flow before, and I remember him reaching out like uh, he said something in uh, the broken Matt Hardy language that basically meant John Connor. I, I hear you. I fuck with you. So it's been it's been a couple cool incidences, man. Dude, that yo, dude, that's yo, dude, that's so fucking awesome. Because I, yo, honestly, I I think that like wrestling and rap have a good like when when, when listen, I got like, I got into rap late because I used to always be a wrestling kid. And the thing about me being a wrestling head, it was like, I always want to talk about wrestling. And because people are putting, in, in the 90s, there wasn't no nuanced conversation. So, all, like, a lot of my brown friends would be, like, liking hip-hop. But they'd be making fun of wrestling. So then I would generalize hip-hop, be like, oh, only gangsters uh, are, are rappers. That's bad music, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I used to be, like, that Because I used to, like, not have nuance to argue about, what can, I, what, what can I piss you off with? But then I started getting into hip-hop and seeing it. And I think what, what also helped me around the time that I was getting into it. Like, I was already dipping my foot in the mid-90s a little bit, time to time. I just didn't, you know what I mean? I just, I wasn't cool enough, whatever. But then when, I, when, when the wrestling connection happened with the aggression CD, I started respecting hip-hop more, and I kind of got into it, going back 
back listening to albums and then realizing and I always I'd always I would always like like the socially conscious message. But the thing is is like people in so- social settings liked all like you know the the lovey dovey stuff or like the like the very like you know like upping up the ignorance kind of thing. So I would have to be quiet about me enjoying socially conscious stuff, whatever. So what's it called? So when I got into it, do you th- like? So I sorry, I'm going all over the place. But like, do you think that there's a good wrestling and rap connection where we could see another aggression CD, maybe through AEW or something like that? You know what? Me and my man Montezzi, we got a project called War, where we do like we kind of rap from the perspective of certain certain wrestlers. Uh, it's coming out this summer. Uh, well, this spring before WrestleMania. So uh, yeah, we we kind of combined in the whole rap and hip, the whole rap and wrestling thing. But I think that it should be, man. I think that it should, man. People don't understand. Uh, growing up in the hood, man, we love pro wrestling. Like we, man, come on. We grew up wrestling in the backyard, making cardboard belts. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know, man. We like I don't know why there might be a perception that black folks don't like professional wrestling, but we do. A lot of times, it just was trying to get that money up to go see it live you know what i'm saying which is why we're not often represented in the live uh when you see it on tv is because we got other shit we trying to do with that money but we definitely was watching on tv every monday night every sunday so i think that it should be another aggression cd man because there's an audience for it man there is there is a group of people out there that you know what I'm saying like hip-hop and like professional wrestling but uh, in the immediate future, me and my man Montezzi got war coming before WrestleMania, and uh, it's a perfect blend of, of hip hop and wrestling. Okay, that's cool. And, and by the way, you know, see again, uh, I made the mistake on Twitter by saying John Connor should be doing music for AEW, and then you informed me, going, "Dude, I already do the Men of the Year theme," and I'm like, "Dude, the thing is, is that sometime when Men of the Year come out, like uh, WWE does a better job of playing the music louder. AEW." Sometimes you can't really hear the music as loud because you get the crowd more. They mic up the crowd more. And also, men of the year never really get, like, a big entrance time and time. They're, sometimes they're not even on TV a lot of times. So I didn't even know. I knew there was rapping on it. It's, like the, it's the same thing with Mustafa Ali. I didn't know that Mano did his song for the longest time, too, whatever. So I had no idea that... You know, no, he yeah, his old his old theme from Two or Five Live. I uh, yeah, M- M- Mano actually does the song, I guess. You know, because Mustafa Ali, he's also a huge hip hop fan. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, I think he's like kind of gotten punished because he was an ex cop, right? And they asked him on Raw Talk on the show after Monday Night Raw when the whole like police riots were going on in the summer, and I think they're expecting him to give a positive. PR for the cops because he's the ex-cop. He started going off about how you can't really change the cop system because it started out from slavery as slave catchers. And ever since then, they started putting him in stupid storylines and kind of fucking with his career. Even though I can't prove that, but you can tell like like they fuck with certain people who uh, nowadays who get kind of political on some manner because Sami Zayn had to delete all his pro-Palestinian tweets that he was sending out and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but my, but uh, I'm gonna what the, what the question was, but like, so how did you come about with uh, the Men of the Year theme? Oh man, uh, man, Mike reached out to me from AEW, and uh, well, no, actually, before that, uh, like I said, I have a, a great relationship with Swerve and Montezzi, and Montezzi actually does Sammy Guevara's thing, 
And so when we got cool, he was like, yo, he was like, let me introduce you to Mike. And so he introduced me to Mike at AEW, who is like the executive over music over there. And we hit it off. A cool cat, great vibes, man. Amazingly talented musician. And uh, yeah, he was like, uh, we got to come up with something for uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And when he said he sent me like two, he sent me two joints. So I think the one that you hear now on TV is the, was the second version of the joint, and it came out amazing. I believe he mixed and mastered that himself, and produced it, and came up with the hook. I just came in and put my verses on there, and it was a beautiful collab, man. It was gangster. First time I heard that shit on TV, I went crazy. I'm like, damn, I would be. It's a funny, cool feeling. Uh, when you're watching a show that you would be watching anyway, and then you hear your voice on a show that you would already be watching, it was just cool. It was one of them bucket list type things for me. No, no, dude, that you dude, that's awesome, and I, I think like, like, dude, like, I think like, you know, if like, let's say men of the year have, uh, if they have like a big like time match for a tag team, I think like when they do fancy perform, fancy uh, entrances for them, I think you should be able to go there and perform it live, man. That would be really, 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 really cool. I, I see some of your concert, uh, like I used to watch some of your concert like clips that they post online from some of the time you perform live, and I gotta say, you're like, you're a very good live performer, man. Like you still have the same energy that you have on your album sometimes that's missing from some artists but you're like really really good at that man um but what's it called you do do, do you notice that a lot of times in the last couple of years there's been this like like a lot of wrestlers kind of feuding with some of these like randy orton's going at soldier boy uh the uh the the, the, the ring announcer is has a beef with the west side gun for some odd reason the the, the greg hamilton guy with the call is gonna sue west side gun because west side gun was using his voice on on, on the because west side gun's a huge wrestling fan so now west side gun is now like uh is like now complaining that AEW doesn't acknowledge him so now he's like got crossed over to nxt where he's shown and being acknowledged like do you think this is a crazy do you think that there could be an angle between wrestlers and rappers on some level man show business <laughs> anything is possible man nothing surprises me anymore no, no, dude, de- no, de- de- definitely, man, definitely. What's it called? So, what, what are the things that you love? What other promotions do you like? What's it called? How do you feel about WWE right now? Like, do you, do you like buy into some of this? Like, like for example, like I, like I, on on the surface, I love that there's so many black and brown talent. A lot of the women, a lot of good women wrestling being put out there. But do you think that WWE kind of relies too much on the aesthetic and not really care? Because the only way that you can make a real difference racially and about all the problematic stuff you need to have talent that calls out like that calls out the history of racism it's like in the marvel universe if you don't acknowledge that there's racism in there you can't really change it do you think that there needs to be like a nation of domination type of storyline but in a more socially conscious way because people argue you can't be a good heel anymore but i would argue you can't be a good fucking baby face because all the baby faces always have to be in that like neoliberal kind of level where they'll still like say something good but they'll also kind of be ignorant do you find like you notice that with heel and face tandems do you analyze that kind of stuff what on whether you can truly be an effective heel anymore i think that mjf does a good job of it i think that uh i think some of the stuff mjf say i can't believe that they let him get away with saying on tv is crazy but i think 
that's a beautiful thing. I think uh, WWE got to figure it out. You know, they always say they're a publicly traded company, and that's why they got to tote the line or whatever the case may be. But I actually, as far as my favorite promotion right now, I just got to be real, is uh, AEW. Because it reminds me more of what pro wrestling was when I was growing up. Yeah, um, you definitely. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 like I don't know. Sometimes I watch, like, I try to watch WWE. I'm going to keep it real. But, but um, a person far wiser than me said this, and I, I have to agree. It was like, uh, okay, so at this point, I'm 36, right? So if I'm watching, already, if I'm watching pro wrestling, if a friend of mine comes over that doesn't understand pro wrestling, they already going to ask, why the fuck am I watching wrestling, right? So I have to be able to justify why I'm watching this. WWE sometimes is so out there and so <laughs> that I, as a 36-year-old man, cannot justify why I would be watching it. AEW, if I put it on and you got somebody over, you can justify watching AEW. MJF is funny as shit. Uh, the in-ring work rate is crazy. Whether it's Lucha Brothers, whether it's... Um, Dante Martin, whether it's um, Sammy Guevara, uh, whether it's Dan, I love Dan Lambert, which that's one of the cool things about me doing Man of the Year theme song is that I I love Dan Lambert. Between Dan Lambert, um, MJF, um, Don Callis, uh, man, it's so many good talkers at AEW. So I think that AEW really is taking pro wrestling into the next uh, next next generation, man, because they are legit heels over there like there's nothing likable about dan lambert and that's what makes me love him is that he's so committed to having the fans boo him i think that another thing that the attitude era kind of messed up was i think the cool heel everybody wanted to be the cool heel right like you were a bad guy but not really but yeah you know kind of like dx or val venus or excuse me or just certain characters like that I think that AEW has certain performers that don't mind being booed and actually love being booed. I think I feel like MJF loved to be booed. I feel like Dan Lambert loves to be booed. I feel like Don Callis loves to be booed. So right now, um, I think your question was uh, what promotion I rock with, AEW, and also how do I feel about being a legitimate face and a legitimate heel. I think that AEW is killing it on, on all platforms, on all cylinders, man, even with Hangman Page. I told somebody the other day, to me, Hangman Adam Page is the equivalent of surfer blonde hair sting in WCW back in the day. A character that I don't want to boo. I want to cheer for him. He is strictly a good guy. Drink his milk, say his prayers, cowboy shit, all of that. It's like, I believe it. But at the same time, calling back to what you just said about me, and I appreciate it, about being a good guy or a nice guy and not being corny, I feel the same way about Hangman Adam Page. I feel like he's a legitimate baby face, like what we grew up on, uh, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, um, Sting, uh, one of those type of baby faces that you legitimately want to see beat the bad guy. And I think they pull it off in a way where it's still viable and it's not corny. No, that's a good point. Um, just a few. 
the other thing that I wanted to talk about, like, it's like, well, I, I think I put so much out there, so I don't blame you for missing up on this, whatever. Do you think, like, because I, I, I look I look at the grand view, and I look at WWE as a symbolism of, like, an old, like, I feel like, I feel like in some way they're going to be, like, a revolution in the way, like, in just different industries and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like, symbolically, WWE is the empire that's kind of falling. Like, more and more they're becoming, like, by releasing all these talents in the middle of pandemic, like, that's such a heel move, even, you know what I mean? So I feel like on some grand level, there's going to be an alternating change, whatever. And someday I do think whoever buys WWE when Vince sells it, most likely, I think there will be an AEW versus WWE invasion, and it's going to make up for the monstrosity that was the WCW invasion uh, of WWE. I, I, I can see it. Cause I can look at the internet beef. CM Punk versus Roman Reigns down the line in that AEW WWE invasion is going to be insane. Crazy. <laughs> What's it called? So, do you think that? Back to my question about one thing. Do you think like there needs to be like in order to like ch- make change in the perception and storyline, whatever? Do you think there needs to be like, for example, when like the new day started, people are like, oh, it should be like nation of domination. And my whole thing was in two thousand fourteen. I don't want to have bad guys that are talking about black empowerment. Because you had that in nature. Like, like, why was I going to boo Ron Simmons? Why was I going to boo New Jack for stuff that they're saying? when they're, Even though they're designed to be the heel on some level, like... I agree with a lot of their fucking points, so I don't. I don't want. So 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 I don't want to. I don't want to have a, a heel stable that's like supposed to be uh, like oh but about black empowerment. Like in Ring of Honor, one time Kenny for Kenny King had a group, and I didn't like this at all. Like, they're heels, and during the during the match, they would take a knee to take to like to refuse a beating basically, and I thought that was like a bad move because I'm like that's not uh, taking a knee is not a is not a bad guy move to me. It's a good guy move to me whatever so do you find that we you to make change you might need storylines where it's actually addressed like some of the racism that has existed within the history of wrestling itself in order to make the change and not just having the aesthetic of more diversity i mean you could i mean if that's the way you want to go with it but i don't think that it necessarily has to hit that close to home in order for the change to happen I mean, like, NWO felt like a gang uh, taking over WCW. Now, that wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it, it just felt real because it felt real. It didn't have to be um, that we knew what Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's contracts was and WWE. Like, it didn't have to get that real for it to feel real. So I think that, yeah, a race angle could be. It could, you know, strike a nerve, or it could be cool if you do it right. I think that the nation of domination—I think the nation of domination was revolutionary because it was done right. I think also, but like you said, like uh, I, I wasn't familiar with the angle that you just said about people taking a knee and they were heels. But I think that, nah, you know, that—that's no, I don't think that will work at all. So with things like race and gender and stuff like that. Um, as far as in pro wrestling, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, tiptoe around those type of things and make sure they're presented in ways that are done right and where they're tasteful and that where there's an ending or a justifiable conclusion to the story. Like, don't just do it just to do it because then you can end up turning people off. Nation of Domination worked. Everybody that was in the Nation of Domination ended up becoming a bigger star. Ron Simmons was already established. The Rock obviously becomes The Rock. Um, The Godfather became The Godfather. 
um, a Mark Henry Hall of Famer now, and I think D'Lo had a crazy good run. So everybody came out better for it in the end. If you just do the race thing, like just uh, just to try to get a couple, you know, viewers, or if you just book something just to try to get a for the moment or in the moment reaction, I think it could backfire on them. I think that all around it just needs to feel more real. WWE right now feels like a cartoon. <laughs> It feels like something that I shouldn't be watching. Anytime I try to watch WWE, I feel like a fucking moron. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up, I grew up in Michigan, so WWE slash WWF is the territory that was dominant in my region. So I'm a WWE guy. So it took a long time, and I'll, I'll just tell you this: since we're talking wrestling right now, let's just keep it all the way real. The creative direction for WWE has been on a downward slide since the uh, since the Monday Night War. Yes, it, it was it was fucking sliding the whole time, but we just dealt with it because it was nothing else we could watch. So it was like, okay, I still want to see Eddie Guerrero, I still want to see John Cena, I still want to see these dudes, but the scenarios and the storylines that they were getting put on, let's stop it. The ruthless aggression era has some of the most stupid storylines i ever seen in my life. Ruthless aggression era was when didn't Triple H have sex with a corpse? Well, well, he in storyline he was making fun of Kane, but like it, it was it was it wasn't supposed to actually be a corpse. It was, he was mocking Kane's ex girlfriend. So he, yeah, but yeah. see, bro, the the implication of <laughs> you know what I'm saying like. What am I watching, bro? Then I remember it was certain that, like, the Vince McMahon kissed my ass club. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Who, who got over because of the Vince McMahon kissed my ass club? Like, you feel me? It's like certain things, like certain characters, Deuce and Domino. Um, like, I can I could go on forever, man, of just shit that happened immediately after the Monday Night War ended that kind of is the reason that WWE is in such a weird position to this day. Because for 20 years, we didn't have a choice. We only had WWE to watch. Before AEW came along, I, I'm keeping it all the way real with you. I had made the decision in my head. I was like, yo, I'm never watching Raw live ever again. <laughs> I am only going to watch WWE Network and watch old school wrestling. When AEW came and provided an alternative for us, it was like God opened up the gates of heaven and gave us something else to watch. That's why I feel like AEW fans are so passionate because I feel like WWE took us for granted for so long. I feel like they started feeling like, well, we the only show in town. We'll give you whatever we feel like. And who gives a shit? You're going to watch us anyway because there's nothing else to watch. The last straw for me, bro, was when Vince... Shane, Stephanie, and Triple H all came out on Raw, and they acknowledged how bad the show was, right? And they said, we are sorry. We are sorry for how bad this show has been. And starting tonight, we are going to change it. And then 30 fucking minutes later, it went right back to being just as trash as it was the Monday prior to that. So, saying all of that to say this, man... WWE got a lot of making up to do. I think that um, they need a, I guess maybe the process in which they go about their creative uh, direction needs to be changed. The way you hear it on the internet is that it's a million people all trying to come up with stuff all at the same time. I think that it needs to be minimalized. I think that 
It needs to be one person who has an overall direction for the company creatively and then let that person, and they say it's Vince, but then how can that be if it's like a team full of like 40 writers? I think that it just needs to get back to being realistic. I think it needs to get back to not being as cartoonish and clownish uh, because they're going to look up and AEW is going to take that number one spot, man. Yeah, no, dude, but most definitely, you know, you're talking about the creativity, I've, in, in my head, right, I've always concocted this thing, because in, in, in wrestling, right, even in the context of the storyline, when, you know how when they break the fourth wall, I always interpreted breaking the fourth wall as they're admitting that in storyline, there are elements that are over, that are scripted, like, like, I can imagine in storyline, when they interrupt each other in storyline, there's reality show producers in Encouraging more chaos and because in storyline WWE is the most corrupt fucking uh, place ever. Like the shady referees, the rule, the boss is going insane. He's doing all this stuff. So what if if you if you could like and this is what Vince Russo tried to do, but he didn't. wasn't a good. He didn't do a good job at it, especially when he ruined WCW. But what I think he's trying to do is trying to expose that there are elements that are quote unquote scripted. Because let's say for example, let's say in storyline, I'm a character, right? I'm dressing up as like a like a chicken. Like in in my if I'm doing a real combat, I'm gonna be, be more focused on being a chicken than on than my fight. That's not gonna make me prepared for a fight. So if you expose that, like I have a million things that I can expose in like and create a new alternate history of what wrestling is. Like like for example, people focus on the screw job, but I can focus on a lot of Shawn Michaels matches where the rules were changed for his behavior throughout his career where you can parlay a conspiracy that the, the system always favored Shawn Michaels. Like, here's a good conspiracy. I believe in storyline. The Vince McMahon sent The Rock to destroy the nation because he wanted to kill black empowerment. And when he did it, he then became the corporate champion coincidentally. Like, like, so, like I want to uncover, like, like to basically uh, make up for, like, basically for everyone that's watched for a long time, I would want to make them uh, feel like, oh, wow, so all this history that's on being unleashed. So I want to create a multiverse kind of in a way to explain all the ills of WWE. <laughs> Say that like it sounds like you creating the WWE multiverse, bro. Yeah, dude, most definitely. So again, but with the before you go, I just want to get your thoughts. Do you feel like the one thing about AEW is that like all the guys, like for example, if you're not a champ, like for example, if you're in WWE and you're not a champion, then you're basically doing nothing, and people think that oh, well, you gotta be a champion to be uh, to be something. Do you find that AEW brings back that old school feeling of like MJF? hasn't held a title yet, yet he feels like one of the most important characters. Like, do you think that's a good thing that a lot of these characters now feel more important than just always having a title to rely on to be a big deal? As it should be. As it should be, man. Like, I remember back in the day, man, Jake the Snake Roberts was the man, and he never had a championship. I remember back when Rowdy Roddy Piper was the man, and he didn't. The only one title he ever had was the Intercontinental Championship in WWE and so many people that you don't need it if you don't need it you don't need it and I think that that is a, a good thing that the emphasis is put more on the charisma and the character and the persona of the performer than it is the belt because a lot of times the belt can make the person and not shitting on nobody but I'm just saying like when they do stuff like when they gave Jinder Mahal the WWE championship and then it's like well what did it do for him what did it do for the character what did it do other than now that you took it off of him, it looks like he just fell down the ladder 
and now we don't care about him anymore. Allow these people to get time under their belt, matches and stories under their belt, so that us as the viewers, we can care about these people, so that when they finally do win a belt, it can become a thing. We watched Bret Hart go from tag team to Intercontinental, so that the time that he finally won the world championship, it meant something to us. If he would have won the world championship immediately after the Hart Foundation, then got fucking booted back down the card i don't think we will be talking about his career and such fondness as we do now and so one last thing too like i said before we go and like i said i grew up on wwe so i don't want to just shit on wwe uh with no end result i just want them to do better they got so much talent over there drew mcintyre brock lesnar new day the usos roman reigns uh, my dog, Big E, uh, everybody that's at NXT, like, I respect the shit out of all pro wrestlers, right? Because I can't get in the ring and do what they do. It's just as a fan, watching the creative direction of a company that you grew up loving so much, and it's seeming like they don't give a shit, it hurts your heart, man. You just want it, like, <laughs> all yearn. we all yearn for that Monday Night War feeling, when WCW and WWE was firing on all cylinders. And I think we just want that for W. I don't want WWE to go out of fucking business. I don't want AEW to go out of business. I think that's what we learned from the Monday Night War. I don't think anybody ever wanted WCW to go out of business. You know, we just wanted to keep seeing them be competitive week in and week out. And so with WWE right now, I just want them to get their shit together because I miss... I missed when Monday Night Raw and SmackDown was 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 good, man. I really do. Okay, and, uh, and I'll finish off with this. What they called? Do, w- w- uh, have there been any history making uh, things that you've been to, like, like like you know, like a big moment in, at a live event or something, or like a Monday Night Raw or, or pay per view? What was one? Of, what were the few? Mo- I, I'm sure you've been to a lot of shows. So, what were some notable things that ever happened when you attended a a, a live event? Like a notable thing, like a WrestleMania. Anything stick out to you? Oh man, I got you. So I went. I've been to eight WrestleManias, right? Oh shit! So, so five of them was back to back to back. So, bro, I was there when the Undertaker streak ended. Oh, that shit was crazy. I was there when the streak ended, bro. And I remember when I was sitting there because I had pretty good seats. I'm not. That wasn't a stunt, but but I had good seats, right? So. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Brock Lesnar and Undertaker face off and I turned to my homeboy and I was like, hey bro, I said, I think Undertaker might fucking lose. And then he was like, nah, man, when the ref counted three, dog, you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium, bro. Like it was the craziest thing. I, I never, I never been a part of something like that where I heard 80,000 people all go silent all at one time. It was the craziest shit I ever experienced. Um, the year after that, at 31, I was there when Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank. In the Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, that's a good one, too, man. Yeah. That was crazy. But he, as crazy as that was, bro, at WrestleMania 31, the moment that made me jump out of my body was uh, Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton. And when Randy Orton RKO Seth Rollins in midair after he pushed him off of his neck and then caught him in fucking midair. That was crazy. Um, I was at the one in Dallas when Shane fell off or jumped off the big-ass cage. <laughs> but that 
that WrestleMania, that like the, the thing I remember the most about that WrestleMania in Dallas is you think it's cool to have a hundred thousand people all in one building until you got to go to the bathroom and the line for the bathroom is at least 500 people oh shit yeah yeah you feel me yeah it's crazy Um, and i'm trying to think and then the one the other one in new orleans i think what was it 34 uh 35 i remember the most 35 the one i remember about that one the most is the disrespect that the crowd had for Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns match. Because when you watch it back on WWE Network, they kind of like blur out the booze and shit like that. I just remember how fucking pissed off everybody was at the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. So, yeah. Oh, and wait, and I was at the one in Orlando when the Hardy Boys came back. Oh, that shit, that's a good one too, man. That's a good one too, man. With the club. Biggest pop with the Cobalt, I mean, we we we, uh, we might see the Hardy Boys reunion in AEW because Jeff Hardy got released from his contract. Whatever. Do you do you feel excited that we might see a tag team revolution? Because I even think that Edge is going to split from WWE at some point, and we're going to see an Edge and Christian reunion. We're going to see a Hardy's reunion, and we're going to have a, a whole legend of tag teams of the new generation and the old generation kind of mixing it up. Are you excited for a tag team revolution? in the wrestling world again, bro. Super excited to see them put over the young guys, and I'm glad tag team wrestling at AEW looks like tag team wrestling that I grew up watching. FTR reminds me so much of the brain busters of Tully Blanchard and R. Anderson. I love I, I love when I was growing up seeing tag teams wear the same ring gear, and WWE now is like tag teams aren't even a real thing. It's just two solo guys thrown together, and that they call it a tag team. But in AEW, you could tell these guys work on their movesets like LAX, I mean, uh, Santana and Ortiz, and um, who else? The Lucha Brothers and um, the Varsity Blondes. I love that shit. I love how the tag team division is a stark difference from everything else. They dress alike. They have their own slogans. They got their own movesets. I love that. And to throw the legends in there to kind of put the young guys over, it's a beautiful thing. That's what that's what pro wrestling always been about, the older generation passing the torch to the new generation. Yeah, for sure. And listen, bro, I'm, I'm going to close up the interview. I, cause the thing is, like, I know we could talk forever for this. I could talk to you forever, man. Like, you're yeah, one of the... Man. You gotta do this again. No, no, dude, for definitely. You're one of the coolest dudes ever. Dude, it's a pleasure to have had you on my podcast, man. I'm glad you reached out and you were able to come on. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm sorry about all, like, the lily lagging with, like, trying to get this done properly. I, 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 I'll have a better time doing it. But, dude, I hope, uh, you are at a lot of AEW shows. I hope you perform for them. I really hope Tony Khan, like, has you doing a couple of themes. I think you deserve a lot of credit. You put out a good uh, message and everything like that bro and i thank you for coming on and being being a guest on my podcast man man thank you so much and i appreciate all the kind words man love and blessings to you and yours and happy holidays man and yeah we got to do this again man all right for sure man take it easy brother all right you too man all right well that was a good interview uh thank you for those that came in here
Yeah, so yeah, this was a good interview. Uh, you know, th- th- thanks for coming in. For some of you, some of you were cool. Uh, I appreciate John Connor coming in. Uh, it was awesome. Um, I I would have that guy on. That guy was awesome, man. I I really uh, I I it helped when you're a big fan of the guy too, because I've been a, a huge fan of this guy's music, and I, I'm actually surprised like he stuck around for an hour. I thought I was gonna mess this whole thing up. I know I talked over him a lot, a lot, a lot, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was still fucking cool to uh, you know be on here, whatever. Anyway, I'm gonna take off. Peace out. Okay. I ended up for the Instagram videos. This is live right here, you know. You know, uh, that was a really good fucking. I I thought that was what a good conversation. I I saved. You know, I mean, I I was all over the fucking place with some of the things that I was trying to. You know, what I mean. Uh, it was just a good interview, man. I, I felt good about that one. Uh, I felt good having a conversation about professional wrestling. Uh, he's like, uh, again, you guys should go check out his music, man. Uh, J- 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 John Connor. Uh, you know, you can go to, like, you know, the mic- where you get mixtapes. You can go to all Varsity Music on uh, on uh, on the YouTube. He has his mixtape there. You can follow him, John Connor Music, on Twitter and Instagram. A uh, very fucking good guy, um, you know what I mean? And I enjoyed having the conversation and him telling about the music industry and his path and all that kind of stuff because I know from his music that he has seen a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of shadiness within the industry and having those insecurities of, like, not being a parent, insecurities of not, like, you know, making it to the biggest stage of them all but still having a solid fan base and he's okay with that. Just like I'm okay with whatever limited fan base I still have, you know, regardless of where I went post Howard Stern, so I kind of related to him, related to him on that level. You know what I mean? Where, uh, you know, what I mean, like, I I can't relate to everything the guy's been through. Obviously, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, I relate to everything you've been through and be condescending like that because obviously I can't relate to everything a black person goes through. Even though like there's some similarities to other minority groups and all that kind of stuff. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that um, uh, a conversation with them and all that. You know what I mean? Um, anyways, thank you for tuning into this. Uh, who, if you're new to it, thank you for tuning in because John Con- John Connor uh, happened to you know want to come on here. So I I really appreciate him fucking taking the time out. You know what I mean? That was more than enough fucking cool shit that we we're talking about. So um, thank you for tuning in. Peace out.